Chapter Eleven of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Eleven, The Jackson Hotel. I found that I had arrived in the very nick of time. For just as I returned from the stable and was entering the veranda of the hotel, I heard the bell calling its guests to supper. There was no ado made about me. Neither landlord or waiter met me with a word, and following the stream of boarders or travellers who had arrived before me, I took my seat at the common table d'hôte. Had the scene been new to me, I might have found food for reflection, or observed circumstances to astonish me but i had been long accustomed to mix in as motley a throng as that which now surrounded the table of the swampville hotel a supper-table encircled by blanket and jeans coats by buckskin blouses and red flannel shirts by men without coats at all was nothing strange to me nor was it strange either to find these bizarre costumes interspersed among others of fashionable cut and finest cloth black broadcloth frocks and satin or velvet vests were quite common individuals thus attired formed a majority of the guests for in young settlements the hotel or tavern is also a boarding-house where the spruce storekeepers and better class of clerks take their meals usually sleeping in the officer's door and glancing around the table i saw many old types though not one face that i had ever seen before there was one however that soon attracted my attention and fixed it it was not a lady's face as you may be imagining though there were present some of that sex the landlord's helpmate who presided over the coffee-pot with some three or four younger specimens of the backwoods fair her daughters and nieces all however were absolutely without attraction of any sort and i somewhat bitterly remembered the mot of double meaning with which my friend had entertained me at parting venus was certainly not visible at the swampville table d'hôte for the presiding divinity was a perfect hecate and her attendant damsels could have found no place in the train of the cytherean goddess no the face that interested me was neither that of a female nor in any way feminine it was the face of a man and that in the most emphatic sense of the word he was a young man apparently about four or five and twenty and costumed as a backwoods hunter that is he wore a buckskin hunting shirt leggings and moccasins with bullet-pouch and powder-horn suspended over his shoulder and hunting-knife sheathed in his belt the coonskin cap hanging against the adjacent wall was his headdress. i had seen him place it there before taking his seat at the supper-table with the personal appearance of this young man the eye was at once satisfied a figure of correct contour features of noble outline a face expressive of fine mental qualities were the more salient characteristics that struck me at the first glance regarding the portrait more particularly other details became manifest round hazel eyes with well-developed lashes brows finely arched a magnificent shock of nut-brown curling hair a small well-formed mouth with white regular teeth all contributed to the creation of what might be termed a type of manly beauty this beauty appeared in a somewhat neglected garb art might have improved it but it was evident that none had been employed or even thought of it was a clear case of beauty unadorned and the possessor of it appeared altogether unconscious of its existence i need not add that this mental characteristic on the part of the young man heightened the grace of his personal charms why this young fellow fixed my attention i can scarcely tell his costume was by no means uncommon 
though it was the only one of the kind there present it was not that however nor yet his fine personal appearance that interested me but rather something i had observed in his bearing and manner as we were seated opposite each other near the foot of the long table i had an excellent opportunity of observing him notwithstanding his undoubted good looks sufficiently striking to have filled the possessor with vanity his deportment was marked by a modest reserve that proved him either unaware of his personal advantages or without any conceit in them by the glances occasionally cast towards him from the opposite end of the table i could perceive that miss elvina and miss carline were not insensible to his attractions neither however had reason to congratulate herself upon any reciprocity of her favouring glances the young men either did not observe or at all events took no notice of them the melancholy tinge pervading his features remained altogether unaltered equally impassable did he appear under the jealous looks of some three or four smart young storekeepers influenced no doubt by tender relations existing between them and the aforementioned damsels whose sly espiglieri of the handsome hunter could not have escaped their observation the young man appeared to be rather friendless than unknown i could perceive that almost all of the company were acquainted with him but that most of them especially the gentleman in broadcloth affected an air of superiority over him no one talked much to him for his reserved manner did not invite conversation but when one of these did address a few words to him it was in the style usually adopted by the well-to-do citizen holding converse with his less affluent neighbour the young fellow was evidently not one to be sneered at or insulted but for all that i could perceive that the broadcloth gentry did not quite regard him as an equal perhaps this may be explained by the hypothesis that he was poor and indeed it did not require much penetration to perceive that such was the reality the hunting shirt though once a handsome one was no longer new on the contrary it was considerably scuffed and the green baize wrappers upon his limbs were faded to a greenish brown other points proclaimed a light purse perhaps far lighter than the heart of him who carried it if i was to judge by the expression of his countenance notwithstanding all this the young hunter was evidently an object of interest whether friendly or hostile and might have been the cynosure of the supper-table but for my undress frock and spread-eagle buttons these however claimed some share of the curiosity of swampville and i was conscious of being the object of a portion of its surveillance i knew not what ideas they could have had about me and cared as little but judging from the looks of the men the broadcloth gentlemen in particular i was impressed with a suspicion that i was neither admired nor welcome in the eyes of your sovereign citizen the mere military man is not the hero that he is elsewhere and he must show something more than a uniform coat to recommend himself to their suffrages i was conceited enough to imagine that miss alvina and her vis-a-vis miss carline did not look altogether unfriendly but the handsome face and magnificent curls of the young hunter were beside me and it was no use taking the field against such a rival i was not jealous of him however nor he of me on the contrary of all the men present he appeared most inclined to be courteous to me as was evinced by his once or twice pushing within my reach those delicate dishes distributed at very long distances over the table i felt an incipient friendship for this young man which he appeared to reciprocate he saw that i was a stranger and notwithstanding the pretentious fashion of my dress perhaps he noticed my well-worn coat and conjectured that i might be as poor and friendless as himself if it was to this conjecture i was indebted for his sympathies his instincts were not far astray 
End of chapter 11